to watch Andre Drummond before the game uh, sit on the sideline, then go to the back, and then come out in street clothes because a team is going to trade him is bullshit. Because when James Harden asked for a trade and essentially dogged it, I don't think there was no surprise or no, you know, there's no one's going to fight back that James was dogging it his last days in Houston. But he was castrated for one to go to a different team and everybody destroyed that man. And yet a team can come out and say, oh, we want to trade a guy. And then that guy is to go sit. And if he doesn't stay professional, then he's a cancer and he's not good in someone's locker room and he's the issue. And we've seen situations of Harrison Barnes getting pulled off the bench. You know, DeMarcus Cousins finding out that he's traded in an interview after the All-Star game. And we continue to let this happen. But I got fined for stating my opinion of what I thought should happen with another player. But teams can come out and continue to say, oh, we're trading guys, we're not playing you. And yet we're to stay professional. At some point, as players, we need to be treated with the same respect and have the same rights that the team can have. Because as a player, you're the worst person in the world when you want a different situation. But a, but a team can say they're trading you and that man is to stay in shape. He is to stay professional. And if not, his career is on the line. At some point, this league has to protect the players from embarrassment like that. And, you know, we talk all of this stuff about you can't do this. You can't say that publicly. If you say that publicly, you're fine. Anthony Davis got fined, I think, $100,000 or something like that for demanding a trade publicly. But you can say Andre Drummond's getting traded publicly, and we're looking to trade him publicly, and he's to stay professional and just deal with it. But then when Kyrie Irving say, oh, my mental health is off, everybody go crazy about that too. Do you not think that affects someone mentally? Do you think that doesn't affect someone mentally? But as players, we're told to, ah, oh, no, you can't say that, you can't say this, but teams can. It goes along the same lines of when, when everyone wants to say, oh man, that young guy can't figure it out. But no one wants to say the organization can't figure it out. At some point, the players must be respected in these situations, and it's ridiculous, and I'm sick of seeing it. Y'all have a great night. I'll see y'all tomorrow. Life isn't fair, Draymond Green. And here's the thing, you know, I understand what Draymond is saying from a morality standpoint, right? But double standards exist everywhere, and that's just the way the world works. Hate it or love it, the reality of the situation is Andre Drummond is making almost $30 million this year from Dan Gilbert. Andre Drummond is an employee. James Harden is an employee. Draymond Green, you are an employee. So for you to have equal rights and, and this be that and this be fair, I mean, let's not get it twisted here. I understand what he's saying again, the double standard of it, but the reality of it is, is you're working for somebody. They're paying you hundreds of millions of dollars a lot of the time. So yeah, <laughs> They're going to have some control and some say of what goes on within this infrastructure. And so, yeah, no, I don't, I, I, I'm not really with it, man. I, I, again, I get what he's saying. Cool, cool. But yeah, when you, when you get 20, 25 million a year, that's part of sucking it up. That's part of the deal, bro. So I don't really have a lot of empathy or sympathy for this players' rights movement. 
I think we need to treat every situation on its own with its own context. The Harden situation, the Kyrie situation, let's judge that on its own with the context around it. This stems from Andre Drummond being pulled from the Pistons rotation because they're going to trade him. The same thing has happened now with Blake Griffin. And this isn't really nothing new. I think what is somewhat surprising is how early within the trade season they're doing this. Usually you see this headed up into the final week of the deadline where they don't want like someone to roll an ankle or something like that to that would throw a wrench in a trade, right? They're doing it early on. That is different. But again, Andre Drummond is collecting $28 million this year. You got to suck that up, man. Yeah, poor us players, man. We get It's not fair, man. No, nah, man. Stop it. Stop it. So the rumor is that Andre Drummond, the, uh, the team I've heard associated that's interested in acquiring him is the Toronto Raptors. The problem is when you look at their roster, it would have to involve Kyle Lowry, I believe who is also on a one-year deal. It would be kind of just a swapping thing. I mean, you could swap picks. I'm sure there could be younger, smaller salaries involved. And, you know, it's just a weird move. It's kind of a weird move from both sides. I don't really see why it would make sense. You bring Lowry into Cleveland, and maybe he can groom or help Colin Sexton? Because, you know, I'm watching Colin Sexton last night, um, in the Chase Center against the Warriors. And when he came out of Bama, I was digging the intensity. I was like, oh, this dude has a motor on him, right? Like, he he goes hard. I, I like that. I like effort energy players. But now I'm starting to realize with Colin Sexton, this isn't a, an in-game, on-court persona. I think he's just batshit crazy. I think Colin Sexton is crazy as hell. and. I'm not sure he has enough talent to where you put up with that. I know he's had some big nights, and again, it, you, you, he plays hard. We know that, but I mean, it, you saw him get into a little spat with Jared Allen headed into the half, and I'm just watching him do a lot of weird stuff, man, and I don't know. I don't know if you bring in Lowry to help that or Lowry just fucking bullies him and puts him in his place. I don't see that happening either. From Toronto's perspective, you know, Aaron Baines hasn't worked out. Obviously, they lost Gasol, they lost Serge, so they're searching for another big, but then you're losing Lowry. I guess you just hand the keys to Van Vliet and Powell. I don't know how that works, but I'm not sure who really wants a one-year rental of Andre Drummond, again, at that $28 million rental price. The other player that this is also happening with is Blake Griffin, and the situation's a little different. Blake, you know, I've spoken on it here a little bit, uh, not on this podcast in particular, but when I've I've done some Pistons games, you know, he's a shell of himself, man. Everybody keeps running the stat that he hasn't dunked a basketball in like two seasons or something like that. And he more likely is going to get bought out, right? He's going to have his pick to where he wants to go. I've already seen him in a Laker jersey, right? I think, you know, people are thinking, oh, maybe he can fill in for Anthony Davis. I can see that happening, right? Does he go ring chasing? Does he go, you know, does he go to Milwaukee? Or uh, I've heard Boston be thrown out there. I think the important thing for Blake Griffin is now at this phase in his career, he's a 20-minute guy, 
right? And now that he, if he is bought out, he's no longer being held hostage or teams are no longer being held hostage by that huge contract. So you can play him 15 or 20 and then maybe he can be effective. He shoots the three ball now and you kind of run your offense through him. He could be your second unit guy that you run the offense through. So we'll see what happens with that. But as far as Draymond fighting for player empowerment and things being fair, come on now. He's too old for that. That's not how the world works, bro. Go talk to some of these NFL dudes and see how they're treated, right? It's all relative. This is a player-empowered league. The early game that I was watching was Pacers-Bulls. Is Sabonis not a goon? Like, I think Sabonis is low-key a goon. I've got him maybe... He's probably top five most physical players in the league. And going into the half... He was frustrated. He, he was having a, a shitty shooting night, and he hit a drop-step spin move on Wendell Carter and put a bow right in his face. Now, the Bulls announced team downplayed it. Oh, that's a basketball play. It's, you know, you know I'm sure it was unintentional. You know, that's just his game, blah, blah, blah. And no, he put that elbow up high. He put that elbow up high. Like, he's low-key a goon, right? And he's just so physical with everybody that it's kind of accepted that that's how he plays. I thought he put that bow up high, and he was rewarded with the flagrant one. But again, you know, they the Bulls team downplayed it. I, if, keep your eye on Sabonis, man. I'm not saying he's dirty. But I'm not saying he's clean either. I think he's one of the more goony guys, and it helps him, right? He's a big boy. He's 6'10", 250, and, and the physicality, he's, he's a bully in there. I like him. I like him. Now, this game goes to overtime in part because the Pacers had a poor shooting night, and Zach Levine ends up hitting a game-winning three in overtime. And that pushes the Bulls to 11 and 15 and knocks the Pacers down to 500 at 14 and 14. Zach Levine is another player who has been kind of in trade rumors, right? He's last good year or two, right? Because it's like the he's their lead player and the Bulls aren't good enough. So he's going to be involved in trade rumors. I think he's ready to win, man. I think it might be a sweet spot in his career and his maturity to go get him. If you put him around winners and in a winning culture, I mean, there is no question he is top-tier talent offensively. And he's so explosive. He's so quick. And he he I've said it before, he doesn't elevate, he levitates. He sees seams and lanes when attacking downhill that other players just don't see, or maybe they see, but they just can't use, right? He's so quick and agile, and then that explosion to finish above the rim, he can get through seams and take angles that you just don't even really see her there. It's a special thing to watch. Now, defensively, he's kind of an airhead, right? He's he's kind of an airhead in that that'd always be a question, but he's only his contract I looked, he's only at 19 mil with one more season left. He's a guy if I was a team looking to make a move, I would try and get him. I would try and get. Him. Obviously, value always matters, but I think you could get him without giving up the kitchen sink. John Wall made his return to Washington. Obviously, no fans in D.C. But, you know, it was it was the, the, the revenge game, right? Westbrook, Wall traded for each other, obviously. Look, man, I feel bad for Russ because is Russ not starting a, a new thing where you airball a jumper and then you leave it? You leave the gooseneck after you airball it? Like, what, well, what happened was, what happened was, right? Are you seeing Westbrook do this? This is like a every other night thing with him. He leaves a jumper or a free throw or something completely short, and he just leaves the gooseneck, and he looks like, uh, 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 what happened? You hate to see it, right? But 
It would be funny if, if that was like a Russ. Oh, he just did the Russ. What if that was attached to him? That can't be a good thing, man. And it's funny because Westbrook and Wall, they're very similar. They're very similar in physical attributes, right? I think if, you, if you're if you a young athletic guard, keyword is you're an athletic guard, like you've got burst, you've got speed. I think John Wall, his size up move and his kind of ISO package is what I would mirror after, where he hangs, he kind of hangs, snap, snap, hang, and that that pause and that rhythm that he hangs with, it allows him to, to read the floor and kind of see the seams and then explode when he needs to, right? Because you see so many kids trying to do the Kyrie moves and the Steph moves. That's not for most of you. That's not for most of you. And again, if you're athletic, if you have the threat of speed and burst, take a look at Wall's you know, his his size-up moves and the way he utilizes it. Now, the problem with Wall is his jumper, he just kind of lacks touch, right? He, he just doesn't have touch. It looks good. It doesn't go in as much as you would want it to. But the way he has these and pauses and, and attacks seams and uses his burst, albeit maybe not what it once was, is still, I think, something that your normal, speedy, athletic high school guard can use, can utilize. And... It's funny because Westbrook, I respect Russ as a man more than I do John Wall, as a family man and as a person, right? But on the court, Wall is just like a smarter version of of Russ. It's almost like you watch Wall and you're like, Russ, that's how you should play now, right? You you guys are both kind of at the twilight of your primes. You probably shouldn't be the you know the focal point of the offense all the time. And you see how Wall probes and, you know, he, t- he takes his as well. But you just wish Russ would play a little more like Wall, a little more cerebral on the court. And then, again, I go back to the irony of it because off the court, you know, Russ all day, right? But on the court, Wall, he's just a much more cerebral and smart player. Washington pulled away and, and, and led through throughout this game and got the win. Beal, you know, another big night offensively. And... Watching this Rockets team, this Rockets roster, you, you get the impression if if you if you got on a Drew League squad this summer, right, you'd probably play the entire Rockets team. That's my way of saying, like, boy, do they got some cutties on this team, right? Jay Sean Tate, um, Nawaba. I mean, these dudes. It seems like you know they got they got a Drew League roster, right? And they're playing hard. They're playing hard, but you know, I think that the initial honeymoon period of them feeling disrespected and going hard. You know, this is a talent-driven league. You you can you can win some games off effort and, and going hard, but eventually I think the lack of talent on this Rockets team is going to catch up with them. I do have one spicy take for you Wizards fans. Danny Advia will be better than Rui Hachimura. And Hachimura is kind of taking his minutes. I get it, whatever. He's... What is he, second year? Hachimura is a very nice athlete, right? He's a big, strong athlete. Danny Avia is a basketball player. And I think if he gets the opportunity as time goes on, Avia will be the better pro. Spicy take of the day for you here on the Hezzy. I didn't even, I didn't even hit my intro here. I'll, I'll go ahead and say that now. What are we, February 16th? This is episode seven of the Hezzy, brought to you by basketballgods.net. The big game that was supposed to be on the docket last night was 
the Sixers visiting Utah. You got the two top teams in the league, but it definitely lost some of its steam. Embiid was held out again his third straight game. Mike Conley has been out for Utah. And so, it, you know, whenever that happens, whenever you've got key cogs for both teams out, it just loses it loses some of its steam as far as a, a, a fun matchup. Now, Ben Simmons had a career high. He had a career high. He came out like gangbusters. And what, what you saw happen, I think, early on was Utah was a little disappointed, I think, that they didn't get to see Embiid. And Philly jumped all over them early. 42-point first quarter led by Ben Simmons, who was just going 100 miles per hour. And again, he, he, he finished with 42 points. He, he did it in the paint. Uh, initially, we all know what he does in transition. And, you know, he's going to get five, six baskets just pushing the ball super fast and aggressive, right? But in the half court, he was scoring like a big man. No Embiid in there. And you know that Utah's guards are on the smaller side. And what you saw was Ben Simmons get in the paint and attack like a big man and turn over that left shoulder. And to the tune of a career-high 42 points. Now Jordan Clarkson comes off the bench how about 40 and 29 minutes for Jordan Clarkson who's running away with the sixth man of the year and obviously Utah no Conley but they have the depth to make up for it again Clarkson 40 off the bench Ingles can fill that role I think it's clear Philly missed Embiid more than Utah missed Conley and you know obviously they miss his point production and running the offense to him but most importantly I think what you saw was they missed his rim protection Right. Mitchell was able to get in and Mitchell hits some difficult floaters like he continues to grow and he's the leader of this top team in the league. So you got to give him credit. When I watch him, though, some of the shots he makes, I'm like, I don't think that's sustainable. He makes some difficult shots, but hey, the proof's in the pudding. And right now they're atop the league. So, you know, give D Mitch his credit. All right. What do we got tonight? TNT doubleheader. The Grizzlies versus the Pelicans, Jaw versus Zion, that's always going to be a thing. The Pelicans, they look like they were riding the ship, and then they've taken some bad L's the last week. I think, I don't know, man. You wonder how patient David Griffin's going to be. You assume they're going to give Van Gundy. You got to give Van Gundy like at least two seasons, right? You can't, you can't just, you know, you, but it doesn't seem like it's working. It doesn't seem like the personnel is taking to his personality. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Memphis always going to go hard. I probably like Memphis in that game, to be honest with you. Wonder when Jaron Jackson's getting back. And then the late game, though, is the Nets visiting the Suns. The Nets took care of business in Sacramento last night where Kyrie dropped a 40-piece. KD, I had mentioned this last podcast, they've listed him out with a tight hamstring. It dawned on me that I'm thinking I didn't see him pull his hamstring. And you never know, a tight hamstring. He doesn't have to show. But are some of these injuries just uh, load management is what I'm wondering here. You see the Clippers doing a lot of that. And so I hope I hope it is for KD's sake. I hope he didn't pull the hammy and they've just planned to rest him. That being said, you would have liked to seen Brooklyn at full strength go into Phoenix and, and kind of see what that looks like. Right. But uh, nonetheless, I'll still be checking for that. one. All right. This is the Hezzy brought to you by basketballgods.net. I'm out, Joe.